Hello and welcome to the Just Like Us podcast. Just Like Us is the LGBT plus young people's charity in the UK. I am Isaac. I'm one of the Just Like Us ambassadors. I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. I use he, him pronouns. I'm going to get my other co-host to introduce herself right now. Hi there, I'm Sarah. I use she, her pronouns and I'm super excited to get this podcast started. And so am I because we are joined by a fantastic guest who... uh, quite frankly, doesn't need any introduction, but I think it is always nice for the guests to introduce themselves. Lady Phil, how are you doing? I am fabulous, and thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Amazing, thank you. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Okay, sure. So I'm Phil Jimma, also known as Lady Phil. I am the co-founder and executive director of UK Black Pride, which is the largest celebration of African, Asian, Caribbean, Middle East and Latin American, our indigenous populations, community and those of um, descent where we celebrate who we are, but we also challenge the homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, and all other isms and phobias that impact our our daily lives. And that's a job and a role that I volunteer for. And I have been doing that for the last 16 years. And in my day job, I guess you could call that my gay job. And this is my day job. (laughs) um, I am the executive director of Kaleidoscope Trust, which is an LGBT plus leading international human rights charity that looks at decriminalization, movement building, capacity building with some of the most amazing human rights defenders and activists around the world. Amazing. Thank you so much for that introduction. I Personally, I'm really excited to get into talking about everything you do and particularly UK Black Pride, because that's an event that I hold quite near and dear to my heart. But before we do that, I think it would be nice if we actually just get to know you a little bit better. We have a little segment that we call Quick Fire Quiz. It's just a few quick fire questions. And Sarah, I wonder if you would like to take over this part. Yeah, so we said these are pretty light, but some of them I find extremely controversial. For example, (laughs) cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. Easy, that was instant. Yeah, great. (laughs) Agreed. Let's move on. (laughs) So, um, books or TV? Books. Do you have a favourite book? Um, Essays by Audre Lorde or Sula by Toni Morrison. Two great recommendations there. Fabulous. Cool. So the next one is sunrise or sunset? Ooh. Sunrise. 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 I love a sunrise. I'm just never up early enough for it. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. Yep. I was like, it must be really nice, but I wouldn't know. <laughs> when was the last time I saw one? <laughs> so true. Maybe like on TV. In pictures. Yeah. So the next one is love or rage. They're, they're linked for me. I can't choose. Mm-hmm. Love and rage are combined and coexist together. This being a reference to the theme of the last UK Black Pride, of course. Exactly. Yes. We made a little video for it. I happen to be in it. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and our last one is maybe it's like a little COVID theme here. So staycation or vacation? Oh, a vacation all the time. Yeah. Where's your ideal dream vacation spot? Um... The world. I guess I've been to so many places. Um, I love South Africa, but I want to go to Bali in Indonesia and also Hawaii. 
Sticking with warm places, warm, warm, warm. Oh, my melanin needs topping up. If I don't mm-hmm. get it, I don't feel right. The vitamin D is needed. I'm such a bad brown person. My parents are both from Egypt where it can go up to 40 degrees Celsius. But being here my whole life, as soon as it goes past 20, I'm like, oh, it's a bit much in here, isn't it? As a charity, we go into schools, we talk about what it's like being LGBT plus, growing up uh, with that experience to kids, anywhere from secondary schools, colleges, whatever. And we would be uh, remiss if we did not speak about your school experience, what it was like for you growing up LGBT plus and your experiences. So I want to start off by asking the simple question, growing up, what was it like being LGBT plus for you at school? Okay, so I didn't come out at school. And I guess one of the reasons being is because I come from a very strict family. And when you don't have those conversations around sexuality, sexual orientation, you can't um, unpack it or unpick it. And then you don't know really what that looks like. You just know that there's a very different feeling. So at school, I knew that there was a different feeling, but I was dealing with more issues around race and gender. You know, having gone to a, um, a secondary school, which was predominantly white for the first three years, it wasn't about um, whether I saw myself as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or, or whatever terminology one chooses to use, it was more about the racism and how I had to navigate a school system um, and people, individuals that didn't like who I was. So, so to think about coming out or doing anything different meant there was going to be added pressure on top of who I believed I was. One thing that I really appreciate about your work is the, that honing in on the intersection between all of the identities that a person might have. It's not just, I happen to be gay, I happen to be trans, and I happen to be this color, because all of those things are inextricably linked and they all form a very specific, unique experience that will determine how people can relate to you as well. Mm-hmm. And it will determine what you also have access to. Mm-hmm. You know, we often forget about class and race and then gender and how that plays out, you know, in terms of access to health, to housing, to good education. And once you divorce yourself from all of those things and take an insular, you know, tunnel visioned approach that, oh, I'm a woman, so I'm just gonna speak on women's issues. Well, actually white women may endure uh, a level of discrimination based on sex or gender, Um, but black women will also receive that level of discrimination as well as racism. So it's coupled together and that makes what you do, how you do it so much more challenging. I don't wanna say harder, but so much more challenging because of the way society is set. I can relate to that on the level of being a trans man and also being Arab and sort of witnessing the change in the way I was treated before transitioning and after transitioning, but seeing how the racism either stayed the same or even changed in its appearance or the the way that it would manifest, whether it would be in slightly more violently in terms of the way that people would speak to me anyways, Mm -hmm. and how much more bold 
people felt that they could be when they weren't speaking to what was presenting as a girl at the time. Mm. It's it's a really fascinating change, but it all speaks to exactly what you're saying of those experiences yeah. are linked and cannot really be separated. We have to look at them all as one unit. Yeah. And I guess your work, just like us and being great ambassadors that you are, speaking on soul or loan issues, our struggles are not single issue issues. You know, as Audrey Lord says, there are many different issues that we face. And it's about how does one find the space to talk about, you know, intersectionality, not as a synonym or a buzzword for diversity, but really about the oppressions that exist in various spheres of our lives. Completely agree. I'd like to ask as well about, because I know from my perspective, I didn't know what a trans person was growing up. So there was no way I could have had a trans role model growing up. Did you have any LGBT plus role models that you looked up to? Yeah, so when I when I came out, and this is well over 20 years ago, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm the only black lesbian in the village. You know, we all <laughs> think that we're the only ones, but then you do your homework and your research and you realize that there were people that came before you. And this is why I always talk about the, you know, the shoulders of giants that I stand on because they're the ones that have actually paved the way. So there were people like Veronica McKenzie, Femi Otterju, who was the first black lesbian woman to head up and work on the London Lesbian and Gay Switchboard. You had Monica Beadle, who is Ricky Beadle, Blair's mother. Um, oh, there, there, were, there were so many, but I guess, Again, I go back to the system. When the system or the, the media presents what representation looks like and it doesn't look like us, you don't see these people who have been doing the groundwork for many, many years. You only see what is an ideal standard of beauty or acceptance in, uh, in media. So yeah, I had, um, I had role models and I had people that helped shape my thinking, you know, what my theory of change may look like in particular mm -hmm. instances and how UK Black Pride was born was because of those that came before me. And I'd ask as well in the same vein of asking about role models, and I'm coming back to UK Black Pride, definitely. Um, but were any of those role models teachers? Did you have any teachers that would have been out or was at, at your school, was it a very just sort of, not spoken about or if it was spoken about maybe not in a positive light I know a lot of people have that experience or it's just not spoken about at all I wonder how it was for you so I remember Mr Oldfield um when I was in the third year secondary school I don't know what years you call them now six seven eight it may be eighth year because we did like year one to five um and he was very obviously a gay man but we never spoke about that at school. Um, and every time someone would call him something quite derogatory, he would bat it off. He was a science teacher and he has passed away, so may he rest in peace. But I always wonder now that I'm of a particular age, what it must have been like for him working in our school and having to deal with some of those nasty venomous words like you know that, that, that impact our very lives 
um, in how we're treated. How did he navigate that? And how did he, you know, apply his own sort of self-care? Uh, or how did he feel like when he wanted to get somebody and say, don't you dare say that? And what do you mean by it's so gay when actually gay shouldn't be used as a term to describe something negative? But, you know, of course, we never had that conversation. And I wish that maybe he was able to be a bit more vocal, but I guess it's all about comfortability. It's about, it's his journey through the workplace. And you don't know whether his working environment made it conducive for him to be out in a way that he wouldn't also be subjected to stigma and abuse from his own peers, let alone from the kids that he was educating. It's interesting sometimes, I think, um, especially if you don't necessarily see um, an out teacher or a role model when you're young, sometimes you see these little coded behaviours and even that can be enough to like latch on to and identify with. Mm. And even if you don't, because I know for myself, I never came out at school or anything like that. You know, I moved away. Um, but definitely there was a couple of teachers where I thought, I see a little bit of myself in you and I don't understand why. And that just makes me feel a little bit better. And I don't know why, but even just that little, that little glisten of something different really helps. You know, you're absolutely right. That's why they say representation, or should I say, positive representation really does matter. Um, there's, a, there's a quote from Dr. Ronks. Um, they say, you cannot be what you cannot see. Yeah. And growing up, if you're in school, college, university, when you don't see people that reflect maybe some of your own struggles, your own histories, your identities, then you're going to feel somewhat isolated or alone or feel that you're having to do this journey of life by yourself. So it's important that from the courthouses to the you know big corporate Fortune 500s to the trade unions to the schools, we see ourselves in all our glory, whether we are LGBTQIA+, whether we are black and brown queer people, whether we are disabled or differently abled, whether we are working class, whether we are from, you know, homes which may not have been the best, we need to be able to connect. And that connection, I guess, is really important for what shapes your life and your future. And that's why I love the work that you do. And I, I keep on laboring on it. It's so important that the next generation feel that they are able to have these conversations and have some of these very nuanced conversations mm -hmm. and help educate and teach us, not just about us going in and talking about our lived experiences, but for them to relay why speaking about lived experiences may be a little bit challenging, problematic. Maybe it's religion, faith, belief that prevents them from saying lots of things. But yeah, I, I just I just think the work that you're doing is great and long may it continue because, you know, as my as my mother would say, and I'm coming up with all these little quotes, you know, you do not inherit this land from your parents or your carers. You borrow it from the next generation. So that means we have a duty of care to ensure that we are fertilizing the ground, making sure it's right for the next generation so they do not have to struggle the same way that we did. 
or they do not have to go through, you know, soul destroying dark moments like some of us may have. So keep up the great work. Mm. Thank you. And yeah. hitting on what you've said there as well, there's something I always say when I'm doing my school talks, which is that when you don't have the vocabulary to describe how you're feeling, you can't really do it. And to not have access to that vocabulary at all, that is what can sometimes, even when everything else is fine, create those dark moments because you just feel like you're not supposed to exist because you've never been given mm-hmm. the tools or the resources that prove that you do and that other people like you do. So that's why as well, I often think about when people see me doing these talks, when kids see a trans man for the first time in real life, which I very well might be the first trans man they've ever met who's just spoken about his experience in front of them it really might have a big impact because I know that if I had seen someone who was like me at a much younger age, it might've put things into his perspective a lot sooner. Absolutely. Definitely. I know it would have changed my life seeing it. Yeah. We've spoken a bit about, you're the executive director of the Kaleidoscope Trust uh, and also the co-founder of UK Black Pride. One of the questions that we wanted to ask you was, how has life changed for you since you left school? I think it's probably astronomical. (laughs) Uh, how has it changed since I left school I've aged I've um, grown in size I am saying (laughs) all the things that are, are quite obvious but there are some things that haven't changed some things like the discrimination and the hurt and the harm that's caused on an individual or placed on an individual because of who they are I guess I would say I have um, matured and I continue to learn and grow every day. But yeah, there was something about school that I really liked. And then there Mm. were some things that I absolutely, you know, I don't use the word hate lightly because that's such a a powerful and negative word. But I wasn't taught the things that I wanted to be taught at school. So I was seen as a troublemaker. I love history and I was um, taught about Christopher Columbus. I was taught about the Battle of Hastings 1066. Mm -hmm. I can recite the names of Henry VIII's wives, but Mm -hmm. I was never taught about colonialism and Mm -hmm. enslavement and slavery Mm -hmm. and capitalism and how Britain benefited off the backs of black people through enslavement and I would always question query all of those things and I was sent out of the class as being disruptive and I guess if you're asking me the question about how have things changed I've been sent out of the boardroom for being disruptive I am what some people see as the angry aggressive black woman those tropes and stereotypes that exist because I question um so yeah things have changed since school but some things have stayed the same and I'm glad my conviction and passion has stayed the same to continue to challenge and question when something doesn't feel right for our communities or people I wanted to ask and feel free to share as much or as little as you would like, but I wanted to ask how your relationship is with your either chosen or biological family. So my daughter is the most awesome person you could meet. Um, You know, it's been a journey for us because when she was like 
probably about eight, nine, it was difficult for her to grapple and understand that she's living in a household with two women who love each other and who sleep in the same bed and do the same things together and you know, turn up at her parents' day together. And that was that was quite difficult. But now, you know, fast forward, she's 26, she's been to uni, joined all the societies possible and showed solidarity to the LGBT plus um, student union society in order to show that, look, it doesn't matter who you are. I've got to make sure that, you know, your struggle is my struggle and my struggle is your struggle. And I okay. guess that's my legacy. Um, I know what I've taught her and what she's about. And I love the fact that she speaks so openly about her mother being a woman that loves other women. In terms of other parts of my family, you know, it's um, it's been difficult, even, you know, being out over 20 years, my my family, as I mentioned, strict Christian, you know, church was everything and education was even more important. My mum's probably at tolerance stage mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. I know some people say, oh, that's not good. You know, we don't need to be tolerated. Well, actually, as I said, you know, the journey of life is so complex Um, Mm -hmm. and can be so beautiful and so harsh at the same time. My mother comes from a country where there is no word to describe lesbian or gay. She comes from a country where colonial era wrongs and laws still exist. She comes from a country where, you know, the toxic nature of the empire is still relevant today. So you cannot expect somebody to do a 360 degree turnaround as and when you want them to, because just like we are all growing, learning, evolving and unlearning, it also takes our parents and our parents' parents to also understand where we're coming from. So patience is something I've learned to apply. Um, I've learned not to be angry at my mother. I've learned not to be disappointed because that was something that was holding me back about not feeling completely accepted by family. So I've had to put things in place for my own sanity and well-being to ensure that I can get through the next day. Um, but as for chosen family, the UK Black Pride has over 10,000 people that attends. That's chosen family. That's a, a space where we can find our tribe and find a place to belong and to celebrate one another and to hold one another, regardless of whether we're blood or not, to make sure that we're putting our trans siblings' voices at the forefront because of everything that they face, trying to ensure that we're not just saying Black Lives Matter as a tokenistic performative action but really meaning what we say and taking action behind it to make sure that we can address issues of misogyny and misogynoir that impact the way we are and that's what chosen family do when we come together. I'd like to take the opportunity to say directly to you I I speak about UK Black Pride in my talks as one of the first places where I, I just went into a vicinity and really felt like there was this huge common bond shared experience that I hadn't really experienced before when I'd been anywhere else. 
and as someone who I can empathize with what you've dealt with with your mum my mum hasn't looked at me in over a year hasn't spoken to me in over two and I'm with you on that sometimes compromises do need to be made sometimes even if we're not compromising it's in our best interest for our own mental health and well-being to not get hung up to not hate to not harbor any resentment to just focus on what what makes ourselves happy in order to keep going sometimes that's what we need rather than begging for somebody else's acceptance oh, he's giving me goose pimples and you know <laughs> I quite emotional as yeah you know yeah just 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 know and this is to both of you that you know there are so many people that can hold us and our families are unique and beautiful um but at the same time when we're unveiling the masks and the the layers that we've kept on for so long in order to show our true selves and it's not accepted by everyone the shame or honor or dishonor that is placed upon us by others it's a them issue it's mm. not an us issue Gosh, you made me all tearful. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm like, not my we take a break. Yeah. It's, but it's, minutes, it's this is uh, it's really lovely though to have like such a such an authentic conversation because mm-hmm. it's and it shows like the beauty in difficult situations because you know you might not have your family behind you or you might, um, but no matter what, you can sort of push through it and you still are yourself no one can take that away from you and even though it's painful and even though we're like tearing up about it right now there's people listening who will be tearing up as well who that'll be their sort of driving force to go do you know what actually that's it I'm going to do that thing I didn't want to do I'm going to pick up my bags and I'm just going to be me you know yeah. Mm. Yeah. I never like to throw out you know into that audience of kids like oh it's all going to be okay because you can't really visualize what that future is going to look like so I always just say it can be okay that's in your hands I had to make some decisions to make sure everything would be okay and their decisions I do not regret one bit it can all be okay that's that's what I'd usually say we have to wrap up we are coming to the end I know but Sarah would you like to ask the final question we have one question that we ask all of our guests I would love to. So this is my favorite question. I find it like very philosophical, but it's something that I think is important for everyone to think about. Um, So if you could go back to yourself, um, sort of like as a magical ghost, (laughs) that's the worst (laughs) way to frame it. But um, if you could go back and say something to your younger self, knowing what you know now, what you've been through, what do you think you would say? What wisdom would you impart to yourself? Wow, okay. I would go back to my younger self at the age of nine or 10. And I would say, you are a beautiful black girl that will grow up to do so much that will actually change the world. Don't let them tell you because you are big that you're not worthy, because you are dark skin that your skin is ugly. Don't let them tell you that your hair is nappy. Don't let them tell you anything that will affect you in a way that you cannot move. Don't be stifled by the nasty, venomous, hateful words that will be thrown at you because it's all jealousy. And you are going to be so amazing. Every room you step into, you are going to be noticed. Every word you utter, people are going to listen to you. 
and you're also going to be in a Vogue magazine and you're going to be able to tell those people that didn't recognize your beautiful, queer, black, dark skin, African self, that look at me now. Phil, so powerful. Beautiful. So, so powerful. Thank you so, so much for joining our discussion today. Yeah, thank you very much. We cannot much. thank you enough. Yeah. And finally, again, you were someone that needed no introduction, but social medias, how can we find you? Let's see, UK Black Pride on all the social media handles. It's at UK Black Pride, all lowercase, Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Uh, myself, it's Miss M-S-L-A-D-Y-P-H-Y-L-L um, on Twitter and Lady Phil on Instagram and Lady Phil on Facebook and Phil a poke with Jimmer on LinkedIn. And as for Kaleidoscope Trust, it's kaleidoscope underscore T on Instagram, uh, Twitter and also Facebook. Amazing. And on Just Like Us's end, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, if you're into that, at Just Like Us UK. If you want to find us on Facebook, you can just search it. It'll come up. Google us. We're everywhere. Thank you so mm -hmm. much for listening. Thank you once more to Phil for joining this discussion. Thank you to Sarah as well for co-hosting with me. I've been Isaac. This has been the Just Like Us podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.